All right, well. Well, I'm honored that Pastor Mark invited me to come back and share with you today. God bless you. May he just fill you with peace since you have to listen to a 92-year-old man preach the gospel today. <laughs> what a great joy it is to be with you. Amen. Amen. The biblical principle is very simple. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But I want to read you a verse in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, And Jesus, after he was, after he was tempted by the devil, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I have a question to ask you. Are you ready for it? If the Son of God needed to operate in his ministry, which he would do for the next three years, in the power of the Holy Spirit, then what about you? Can we do what God would have us do during this time that we're placed on this earth without the power of the Holy Spirit? In Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14 through 21, it says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the books, the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable or approved year of the Lord. That's talking about the life and the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But our journey in this life needs all of the equipment and the blessing and the anointing and the power that God intended for us to have to fulfill His divine purpose. And so we do not need to avoid what God has. What about your life, your journey in the kingdom of God and the will of God? I'm going to take you on a little journey for just a moment of what it happens to an individual when you realize that the only hope you have is to place your faith in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we find that Jesus was approached by a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. The man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, you know that we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Isn't that amazing that a man who was a religious leader in his day did not understand what Jesus was talking about. But Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of his mother of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Our journey begins with new birth. You must be born again. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, we're told in him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. So the first step on your journey is new birth. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him in your life and let him come in, let the Holy Spirit come in and cleanse you of sin in your life. The second step is very clear in the scriptures. In Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, Jesus told his disciples that they were to stay in the city until they were clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power. That word power is the word dunamis. It's supernatural power. He's talking to men who had been with him for three years, trained under his leadership, but just before he ascended into heaven, he said to them, don't you leave the city until you are clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Now I want to say to you, by God's grace and mercy, don't you leave this building today to do the work that God would have you do on this earth until you are clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Jesus made that very clear to his disciples. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4 and through verse 9, he said to them, you shall receive power. Excuse me. Chapter 1, verse 4. He said, and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You'd think that Peter and, and John and the others could have said, well, Jesus, why, why do we need anything else? We've been training under you for three years. Why do we need anything else? I ask you today, why do you need anything else? 
You can't do it on your own. You're to be baptized with the Holy Spirit for God to supernaturally prepare you and endow you to do the work that he would have you do. This is for you and for me. We're to receive power. As a born-again believer, you also become a part of a royal priesthood. Now, we as priests do not wear clerical collars, but Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. If you are born again here today, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, then God has ordained you as a priest. The rest of your life on this earth, you're to carry out his divine plan for you. Isn't that wonderful? To do what he would have you do and not what you would do. God is the one who clothes you in a robe of righteousness. You have a robe of righteousness. Men cannot see it, But if you're born again, it's there. You have a robe of righteousness in your life. The Holy Spirit has come. He's taken the blood of Jesus and cleansed you of sin and clothed you in a robe of righteousness so that you are prepared for for what he would have you do. Now in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 28, beginning in verse 31 and through 35, we're told that the priest had a robe that had on the bottom of that robe bells and fruit, plum granites, a bell and a fruit and a bell and a fruit all around the hem of his robe. And when he walked, those bells would ring. But the fruit between would prevent the bells from clashing against each other. There was divine order in what he did, even as he ministered. And I want you to know that God has a plan for you and there's divine order in what you do. Our part is to submit to him, surrender to him, and he will take care of the rest. He'll do the rest. He clothes you with this clove, this robe that you have on you has bells on it and fruit on it. We call those bells the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Your bell, your, your robe has nine bells, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and nine fruit of the Holy Spirit so that there's divine order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, we're told what those nine bells are, what the nine gifts are. Wisdom. Isn't that wonderful? That God would supernaturally equip every person in this building today with divine wisdom. As you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he would give you wisdom 
He would give you knowledge of everything that you're supposed to know to fulfill your purpose upon this earth. Wow, that's for you? It sure is. He'll give you faith. Faith to fulfill your mission in life. He'll give you gifts of healing so that you can be used of God to help other people. Effecting the miracles when they're needed. Prophecy. The distinguishing of spirits. Various kinds of tongues. People have a misunderstanding about tongues. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Lord will want to release through you, through the ability to pray in a language you've never learned, direction and guidance in your life and for you to be able even to prophesy in that way with the interpretation of tongues. Isn't this amazing that all of that is available to each person here today as we walk in the Spirit and yield to Him that He will guide our lives and He will let those gifts flow through us to fulfill His divine purpose and not ours. Whew. How long will this happen? Well, until he's through with us. I'm here proclaiming the word of God because God's not through with me yet. And he's not through with you. God has a plan for you. And then he's put nine fruit around the hem of your garment. Your robe, love, that's not man's love, that's not philia, that's agape love, supernatural love, the ability to love the unlovely. You can do that, you sure can. Joy, joy even when everything around you is falling apart, you can rejoice in the Lord. Peace. Irene, comfort for you. Patience. <laughs> A lot of us need patience, don't we? <laughs> Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness so that you can be trusted and entrusted with things that God wants you to do. You'll be faithful to him and fulfill his divine purpose. I want to tell you a secret. God has a plan and a purpose for you on this earth. You're not here by accident. God wants to use you for his glory. Who, me? Yes. Every one of you. God wants to use you for his glory. If you'll just let him do it. Gentleness and self-control. Now in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, Paul says this, walk in the Holy Spirit. 
and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. That's how we do it. Every day we walk and yield to the Holy Spirit. Ooh, God's plan is for us to walk in the Spirit and let His glory be manifested through our lives. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, we're told that when you walk in the Spirit, you will, He will abide with you and will be in you. You're to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. Surrendered fully to the Holy Spirit. Letting him use you for his glory. Letting him exercise his gifts and his fruit through your life whenever he wants to. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. Whatever you want me to do, you just let me know. My father was a high school teacher in Birmingham. And the year I graduated from high school, he retired, sold the home place, sold the cattle, sold the horses and the mules, and sold my horse. <laughs> sold the hogs and the chickens and moved himself and mother and me to Tallahassee, Florida. Bought a home there in Tallahassee near the university and enrolled me in the university. I went to college for a year and a half and had no idea what I was supposed to do. You ever been there? No idea. And after a year and a half, I told a neighbor who was a retired naval commander, I said, you know, I think I'll just drop out and, and get me a job until I know what I'm supposed to major in. And he said, Bill, if you do, you're going to be drafted. The Korean War was on. He said, why don't you sign up for the Navy for four years? And when you get out, you'll know what you're supposed to do and you'll have four years scholarship. They'll pay for your education and you'll know what you're supposed to do. So I, I took his advice and I signed up. But on Sunday, we were members of First Baptist Tallahassee, Florida. On Sunday before I left on Monday to go above Chicago in January to Great Lakes Naval Training Center, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to listen to this. Here is your problem. You asked me to give you my life. And I did. I gave you my life. But you've never given me your life. You're still in control. You're deciding what you want to do. Until you turn your life over to me, I won't be able to guide you and show you what you're supposed to do. I went forward that day and the pastor said, Bill, why are you here? Big old church, 4,500 members. I said, Pastor, I'm here to say to God, I give you my life. I turn it over to you. I'm, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Can you do that today? It was the most wonderful thing I ever did. The next day I left to go to above Chicago to Great Lakes. When I got there, it was 17 degrees, snow was everywhere. I was standing out with my class in snow, waiting to march, and they called my name out and said, go see Chaplain Kelly. 
He was the base chaplain. I went to see him and he said, welcome, Bill. He called me by name. I said, how do you know me? He said, your pastor and I were best friends in seminary. He called me and told me what happened Sunday. You're going to be my assistant. Wow. So I went from saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. The Thursday I was a chaplain's assistant at Great Lakes Naval Training Center. Never marched a day. Never went to a class. Just worked with the chaplain. And when my class was graduating, one of the instructors said, Lincoln can't graduate if he can't pass the swimming test and the firearms test. And so I went over and jumped in the swimming pool and swam across the pool. He said, you pass that. <laughs> then he put a 45 in my hand. I said, I've never held one of these. I've always used rifles to hunt. I said, how do you cock it? He showed me and I hit the target. He said, you graduate. <laughs> Seven years later, after college, my phone rang and it was the Dr. Sanders, pastor of First Baptist Tallahassee. Listen, and he said, Bill, would you come and be my assistant? And I went seven years after I stood at his altar and said, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. Seven years later, I was the assistant pastor of that church. Oh, dear Lord. 30-something years ago, this pastor over here, this fine pastor, Mark Linton, knelt right here at the altar and gave his life to Jesus. Absolute surrender. Look, he's the pastor today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Amen. Let the Lord have your life. Turn your life over to him. Give him everything. In January 1970, my wife and I were Southern Baptist missionaries in Spain. I was a professor in the Baptist Seminary in Barcelona, planting churches throughout Spain. And my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. A lady came into her life from the United States. We didn't know her. She laid hands on my wife and prayed for her. I didn't know this. They were alone. I wasn't with them. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to pray in tongues. She didn't tell me. We went to the doctor to start treatments for cancer, and they ran more tests and couldn't find any cancer. The body was totally cleansed of cancer. I said, oh, Lord, I can't understand all this. I'm so happy. Look what you did for my wife, but what's this tongue stuff? Here, a professor in the Baptist seminary, and my wife is, says she's praying in tongues. <laughs> I processed that for a month, and then one Monday, I didn't have class on Monday. <laughs> on Monday, uh, the children were in school. My wife was over at the seminary cataloging books in the library, and I asked her what room she prayed in. She said, The guest bedroom. I went in the guest bedroom, <laughs> and I said, Lord, I don't understand all this. Please help me, Lord. Please help me. I was taught in college and seminary that this is not for us. Please help me, Lord. And all of a sudden, there was an atmospheric change in the room. And for two hours, I was baptized in fire. He 
See, when you're dealing with a Pharisee, you have to knock him down, blind him. <laughs> and the Lord dealt with all kinds of traditions in my life and finally brought me to the place. Are you ready? Of absolute surrender. Total surrender. Which I'd said at age 19. But when it came to the baptism in the Spirit and the gift of tongues and the gifts of the Spirit, I was in control. I said, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, a great joy flooded all over me. Thank you, Lord, you are so gracious to me that you would have mercy on me and show me the truth about your spirit and the life that he gives to us. What a joy to be baptized that day in the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? What about you? Total surrender. Absolute surrender is the key. Lord, here's my life. If you haven't been born again, let him come into your life. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you're ready, make a full surrender of your life so that God can guide you and show you exactly what he wants you to do day by day. That doesn't mean that you're going to change your job or anything like that. The Lord will just lead you daily and give you direction and understanding as to what you'll do and who you are. And maybe when you're 92, you can be up here preaching the gospel. After we get through this morning, if one of you young men want to arm wrestle, I'd be glad to arm wrestle with you. <laughs> Total surrender of your life to the Lord. Let him have your life. Would you stand up with me right now? And as they begin to sing, I invite you to come out of your chair and come down here with me. And we're going to again today say, Lord, I surrender. Here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you that you're clothing me with your power. Thank you for the robe of righteousness on me. And now I belong to you. I submit to you today. Just come forward as we begin to sing and let the Lord this morning speak to our hearts. I have no idea what all he's going to say, but it could be very good. So if I were you, I would jump out of my pew and I would run down here and say, Lord, here I am. I belong to you. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Take my life. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. I surrender, I surrender.
Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you now that you died for me on the cross, and I commit myself to you as my Lord and Savior. Right now, I surrender to you. May the Holy Spirit come upon me and anoint me afresh. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Let your glory be manifested through my life. I surrender my life to you. I'm ready to do whatever you would have me do. I choose to walk in your spirit day by day and let the Holy Spirit guide me. Thank you, Lord, for your divine presence. Lord, let me pray now. Lord, I thank you for these precious people, everyone in this building. Lord, for their lives, may your glory be manifested in them and may the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit be mighty in their lives, flowing through them to fulfill your divine purpose for them. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, they'll be supernaturally equipped as your servants for your divine glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Sing it one more time. Savior, I serve. 